Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Well, it was on this day in 1814. Uh, Francis Scott Key pens the poem, which uh, was later set to music, as it often was in those days, uh, back in uh, 1931, and ultimately became America's national anthem. Uh, and so I wanted to go through just a, a little bit of that. Obviously, there's a, a lot around the national anthem as it relates to sporting events. And it's it's really interesting, the fact that it was actually sports that really made the national anthem the national anthem. The Star Spangled Banner uh, had been used in various uh, circumstances uh, over the years. In fact, I believe it was Woodrow Wilson uh, who said that it should be played uh, at all of the uh, official events uh, for the White House and uh, the interesting thing to me is, uh, of course, as Francis Scott Key penned that, um, it has become something uh, a little more of late, and uh, some good, some bad. And I think we've we've missed the point on a number of things as it relates to the the Star Spangled Banner. Uh, but again, it, it was not instantly a, a classic. Uh, again, it was a poem for quite some time before it was actually set to music. Uh, and interestingly enough. Uh, it went from a uh, kind of a drinking song tune. It was where the the uh, the music for the Star Spangled Banner began, and but ultimately, uh, I think they got all of that right. And and then here's the interesting thing. Uh, so again, it uh, had been played at various things over the years. It was not as popular as uh, a Yankee Doodle Dandy or some of the other uh, you know pop uh, songs of the day. But it was Woodrow Wilson uh, who said, hey, we should start playing this at formal events. He liked it that way. And then it was 1918, and what was it? It was sports. It was baseball. It was the 1918 World Series between the Boston Red Sox and the Chicago Cubs. And they played the Star-Spangled Banner uh, in the seventh-inning stretch. And the uh, commissioner of baseball decided uh, there was such a tremendous response to it uh, that uh, that should continue. And so it continued, and then they moved it to the beginning of the game. And that's where that tradition actually began, 1918. Uh, another really fascinating thing, you, you'll often hear me say that, you know, it's community and culture that lead and the politicians eventually follow. This was also true with our national anthem. Uh, the Star-Spangled Banner was put into bill form and presented to the United States Congress six, at least six times that I'm aware of. It may have been more than that and was voted down by the United States Congress as the national anthem. And so it wasn't until uh, 1931, March 3rd of 1931, that uh, Congress actually passed 
the resolution, the bill that made the Star Spangled Banner the official national anthem. So it was one of those uh, really interesting journeys for the song, uh, much like the journey for the nation. And, of course, we, we know the, the history of the song itself and the author. Uh, but, again, so much of that has come under attack uh, unrightly so, I think, in terms of uh, what the purpose is. I mean, we can confront our history. We can confront uh, negative things uh, in individuals from history. Uh, but we got to be very careful. we got to be very careful about that. The cancel culture uh, will undermine our history in a way that is detrimental to society and will prevent us from having the very conversations we need to have as a country. So no problem confronting those things. Let's make sure we're not using them as a weapon to rewrite the history uh, or to recreate it. And uh, to me, that's where we have to, to ultimately get. And so uh, for me, the, the, you know, the national anthem is, is something of great pride. Uh, it is something that uh, still stirs me emotionally wherever I hear it. And not just at a, uh, a ball game or a sporting event, uh, but at so many different events. And if you ever want to have an interesting experience, just go listen to all the verses, uh, including the uh, a very interesting verse that uh, is no longer included, which was uh, included during the Civil War. Uh, so very fascinating stuff there. But just go listen to the all the verses of the National Anthem and think about where we are. Think about where we've been as a country. And uh, most importantly, especially in an election year, think about what's next. Where do we go from here? Uh, I've shared on this program before uh, something about the national anthem from Jackie Robinson. Uh, Jackie Robinson, of course, broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball back in 1947. And he once shared what that was like as he took the field. Uh, He actually talked about the World Series of 1947. And Jackie Robinson said this. He said, I experienced a completely new emotion when the national anthem was played. This time, I thought it was being played for me as much as for anyone else. Uh, That was a big deal. He said, about a year later, I went to Atlanta, Georgia to play in an exhibition game. And on the field at that time in Atlanta, for the first time, there were both black and white players standing along the line, standing together as they listen to the national anthem. And that's a that's a great moment. That's a wow moment, to be sure. Uh, to feel those kinds of uh, feelings as you listen to the national anthem of this country. Again, we are a warts and all, challenges and all, failures and all, frailties and all, uh, all in all. That's how we get to the United States of America. And unless we're willing to be okay with that, unless everyone has to be the perfect saint, unless everyone has to be free from any motivation beyond the the purists, uh, that's the challenge. And to be honest, that's part of our challenge in our politics today is that we have some who are more interested in a purity test from the left and from the right uh, that they're, they're not interested in getting to the principles. And so while politicians are are important, they play a critical role. Politics is important. It plays a critical role. Policy is even more important. It plays a much more important role. I wish we would focus on that a lot more. But it's it's about the people. And how do we make sure that we're really figuring these things out 
in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our communities, in our state. That's uh, that's the way things are supposed to roll. And too often we have abdicated that role and given it to the politicians or looked to Washington to waltz in and solve the problem. And that's part of the problem. Uh, and so on a day when we celebrate uh, the writing uh, by Francis Scott Key and the uh, Star-Spangled Banner, uh, it's a good chance for all of us to reflect on uh, what do we stand for? Uh, what's that reflection look like? And to all of us, are we really living up to the principles we profess to believe? Doesn't mean we need to be perfect. There are no perfects out there. But are we willing to live up and strive to live up to those principles that we profess to believe? And the good news is, uh, going back to Jackie Robinson, he said, I can look at my children and I can say, you have a chance, not a guarantee, but you have a chance. And he said that in his fight to break the color barrier in Major League Baseball, he knew, he knew he always had a chance because he lived in the United States of America. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. Great to be with you on KSL News Radio today. And as always, as you go out into the world, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something today that makes a difference. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.